This is Channel 253. In this episode of Interchangeable White Ladies. As somebody who believes science and trusts science and (laughs) takes this seriously, I am once again having to stress and have anxiety over what my classroom is going to look like and how do I keep my students safe and how can we make sure that this is happening and is okay because of the a-holes that refuse to get vaccinated and then scream about their personal liberties being taken by having to wear a mask in public spaces. Channel 253 is a member-supported podcast network. I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I'm asking you to become a member and show your support. Go to channel253.com slash membership to join. Thank you. One, two, two. interchangeable. White ladies! One, two, two. interchangeable. White ladies! Interchangeable. Interchangeable. Welcome to the Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast. I'm Hope. I'm Megan. For today's essential question, what concerns, questions, ideas, or fears do you have for the upcoming school year? Today's episode is a mailbag episode, which means that we have a lot of listeners who've sent in questions, comments, thoughts, ideas, concerns, and those various fears that they are wrestling with right now. This is going to be one of three episodes for our Back to School series. Yay, back to school. I don't know if I feel sad or happy about it, but it is what it is. It's like I'm cheering, but my tone is is a little different. And your face is like not cheering. Like my eyes. <laughs> it's all in the eyes. Yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> we did, we're not even doing a yeah, for sure today, but I just threw that in there. We definitely appreciate all of our listeners who sent in or took time to share their thoughts with us, um, particularly your ideas. We're really, um, today's episode is especially targeting educators, and I really think the next two episodes are that. Yeah. Um, our second episode will be more focused on idea sharing and things that are working well, things you're excited about for this upcoming year, mm-hmm. things that you learned during COVID teaching, pandemic teaching, yeah. quarantine teaching, whatever cute name you gave it. Mm-hmm. Um, What are you taking with you? And then our third episode is going to be focused on understanding the anatomy of a school district and the levers of power. Um, We are going to bring with us a guest who was a teacher, a unit activist, and a school board member, and she is amazing. So those are the three upcoming episodes I think you'll be really excited to listen to. Definitely. Absolutely. So to start off today... Many of us have seen this tweet, and I know you and I both retweeted it. Yes. Um, And actually from Alex is what I want to say, at Alexandra27, whispers... Y'all know this isn't going to be a normal school year, right? Hope you didn't even do the whisper. I know I didn't. I should have. Here, you do it. Go ahead. So whispers. Y'all know this isn't going to be a normal school year, right? So we, I mean, everybody, everybody retweeted that thing. Uh, Why are we starting with that? I mean, what do you think about this idea of normal and then a quote unquote normal school year? Well, I mean, it's funny because I catch myself saying that, um, oh, I'm just so, like, I can't wait. I've never had a normal year of teaching. And then veteran teachers look at me, like, like sideways, and mm. they're like, explain to me what normal is, Megan. Um, I don't think there is normal in teaching, which is fair. Um, but I think I think that there's a lot of thought, um, maybe not by teachers, but maybe the general public, that thinks that we are post-COVID mm-hmm. when it comes to public education. And I got to tell you, 
I do not think that we are. We are not in a post-COVID public education world quite yet. Go preach. I think last year, I heard. A, I actually heard a lot of teachers last year say, well, next year when it's normal, I'm going to mm-hmm. do blank instead of blank. Mm-hmm. And one that always pisses me off because I think in general, when we choose to not do something that we know is actually right or good or whatever, because we're like, I don't have, I, I can't do it now for whatever reasons. Um, I kind of get annoyed with that. I'm like, just try it out. Do it. Do an alternate version. And two, I, I, I think personally, like, get, I'm going to get up on my soapbox a few times this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, get, climb, <laughs> climb up there. Climb it up there. Climb up there and make, climb up like, there, number one. make yourself comfortable up there, Hope. <laughs> I'm going to have to get, you like, some cushions. Yeah. Pumpkin spice latte. I think it's, I'm going to have I give you permission here. to decorate up Thank there. You. Like, go full white woman decoration. Thank, Thank you. Some candles. I like some candles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the big part of that is, like, what is normal? And to your point that you were saying people have kind of brought up to you, like, what exactly is normal? And I, I think part of the problem in education is that whatever is considered normal is actually often has a lot of problems to it. Yes. Okay, it's so normal that we, you know, have this thing happen. I'm thinking about everything from, like, how we feed our kids in the lunchroom to, like, mm-hmm. well, in a normal year, I would teach this. But this year, I'm just doing this mediocre thing. Or in a normal mm-hmm. year, I would do blah, blah, blah. Let's go back to normal. Well, let's all not forget that normal actually, like, there's a lot of disparities in normal. So black Mm -hmm. and brown kids are underserved in our normal school year. Special Mm -hmm. education students are underserved in our normal Normal school school year, year. right? First-time teachers, beginning teachers are not supported enough by districts in a normal school year. So I I get really irritated by just even this idea that there is a normal because the normal, I mean, there is a normal or standard but I guess I get annoyed because there were so many problems with it that I, I don't actually think we should go back to that. And I would actually postulate we should go to something different. Interesting. Interesting. It's almost like the issues that people had with a um, former president's mm. campaign slogan. Mm. Um, oh, right? oh, it's curious. Remini- it's curious. Reminiscent of, I don't know, make America <laughs> hey, great again. I never put that two together, right? but thank you for doing that. Like, why are we excited to go back to normal mm. Um, mm-hmm. when normal was harming and underserving mm. thousands and thousands and thousands of children? Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so why not... Um, to steal a, phrase, a campaign phrase, I'm, this has just popped <laughs> into my head, and I'm laughing at myself at how stupid this is, but build back better. Oh, oh Biden. Snap. That's Biden. Yeah, that's yeah. Biden's. Good alliteration, I don't love Biden. It. Yeah, I don't love it. It's a lot of alliteration. It's, it's very was, ninth grade. I was really joking, yeah. riffing on the political campaign slogans, but I think that that's, if I'm hearing you correctly, that's kind of your issue with this whole, I can't wait for a normal mm-hmm. school year. I mean, let's not be stupid, folks. Like, <laughs> normal was not that great. No, and there's a lot of, like, I think c- kind of going with that, like, mega yes. theme, there's a lot of stuff that was good for a certain group of people, right? Yeah, and so we absolutely. cannot ignore good for which teachers, good for, um, you know, what c- types of kids, good for what types of schools, good for what types of tax bracket folks, you know? And I think that's mm-hmm. that's the rub. That's what I'm irritated by. Absolutely. And so I think— a focus of our next three episodes, really, and maybe more so the next two episodes, are how do we move forward in a way that um, is led with intentionality, yes. yeah. right? Like, how do we take the lessons that we learned from the past year and a half 
and go back into the school year with eyes wide open mm-hmm. about what it's mm-hmm. going to potentially mm-hmm. look like and how do we tackle that and how do we be more effective educators? How do we be more effective in our professions and and um, in our communities mm-hmm. and not use this as a, a fluke, like, oh, it's a fluke and now we can move on, but really have intentionality behind it. Mm-hmm. This, to me, was an opportunity to reset, right? And it was a crap show for a lot of folks around the world. But I think there's a little bit of resetting. And to me, instead of going back to, quote, unquote, normal for whatever your school or community looked like, we should be resetting. What are those things we're keeping? Mm -hmm. What are those things that we're like, we didn't have to do this? And guess what? We don't have to have a meeting. We We can send an email. We can hop on Zoom for 10 minutes and deal with this thing instead of scheduling. Could have been an email. (laughs) It's like, exactly. And so I keep thinking about that as we approach the school year. And really, maybe the challenge for listeners and ourselves is is keeping that at the forefront. Absolutely. Right? And and like Hope said, this is going to be, the next two episodes are going to be really educator-focused. But, you know, if you're not in the education field thinking about, okay, well, how can you apply this to your profession? How can you apply this to the work that's done in your organizations, in your companies, or in your families, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? I think that there's a lot of beautiful things that were learned in terms of relationships mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and community and the people around you over mm-hmm. the last year and a half. And so I think I recently heard, I forget who said it, but it's um, how you spend your days is how you live your life, mm-hmm. like how you spend your life. And so it's like, if you just are waiting for this to be over and day after yep. day, you're just kind yep. of like, okay, yep. I'm just waiting for this yep. to be over. Then you end up waiting yep. and wasting your life, yep. right? Like wake up every day with intentionality behind what you do, mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, how you spent your days over the last year and a half is how you, how you spent your life mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. the last year and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I, I, that's a great point. Cause I know I definitely fell into that at, at, at moments throughout the last year Absolutely. and then just trying to kick myself in the butt. And as you pointed out, right. What can I do differently with today? We're not guaranteed tomorrow. And so how do we make sure we're moving forward in such a way um, that kind of, you know, understands that yeah. right? and, and takes advantage of the moment, the time that we have? And, and maybe not this conversation, but now I'm thinking, is that emblematic of a very millennial space of mind? Hmm, maybe um, because I, I know that I definitely struggle with that. Well, once I have once I reach this benchmark, then I can go on a vacation. Once I reach mm-hmm. this benchmark, then I can enjoy myself. Once I once I do this or once I get to this point, and I I wonder, I'm just wondering if that's um, new with the older millennials in the sense because of the recession, because mm-hmm. of how difficult it is to just get by and mm-hmm. make ends meet. Mm-hmm. Um if that is a what's the word a characteristic mm-hmm. of this generation. Anyways, I'm just that's yeah, that's, uh, a, really that's a different point. conversation, but that just popped into my head. Um, so I want to kind of loop back to mm-hmm. my not we're not like oh I just want to go back to normal. I think a, a new way to frame that is oh I'm ready to be living in a post COVID okay. school year. Yeah, right. Okay. That and that's to say like take the lessons that you learned with you, but I am. I'm, I'm excited to get there. I just don't think we're there yet. And I was doing some research for this episode, and I think Florida is actually really good. Um, good. Not good. I never well, put well, the word good, right? in, good Florida in Florida together. Ooh, yeah, that left a bad taste Usually in my not. mouth. Um, so, <laughs> poor Florida. Um, oh, poor Florida. 
Um, but they're a good example of what could potentially be happening, especially when it comes to Washington, a state that has reached that 70 percent threshold mm-hmm. of vaccinations. But if we're looking at specific cities like Spokane, which are hovering right around 40 yep. percent. Um, so there's absolutely pockets in the state that are nowhere near the rate of vaccination that they that we would hope that they would be at at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and Florida is really similar, right, that they have a governor who um, – is, you know, he th- lots of opportunities. For <laughs> I know growth. you're like searching for the right word. There. <laughs> lots of opportunities, <laughs> opportunities for growth for, for growth. the governor of Florida. <laughs> so, but really, what was striking to me, I was looking at their data from this last week of um, COVID cases, and they had just in the last week under 12 year old, 10,785 cases of COVID mm-hmm. in the last week, 12 to 19. 11,048 cases and 20 to 29, 20,337 cases. So they're um, they're hovering right around 42 to 44,000 cases in the last week of zero to 29 year olds in mm-hmm. in Florida. And um, in terms of cases per 100,000, it's it's staggering. I mean, twelve to nineteen is five hundred and sixty point two cases per one hundred thousand mm-hmm. for twelve to nineteen year olds, mm-hmm. which is school age, right? Like yep. that is that is going to be impacting schools. Yeah. And then when we're looking at the um, the death rates, um, I mean, it's still not as high as the elderly, but we are seeing children. unfortunately passing from COVID. And I think what makes me so angry, obviously what makes me so angry about it is that there are enough vaccines to have prevented all of these deaths. And and so I... I just that's why I we are not in a post COVID world. This right. school year is not yep. going to be post COVID, yep. especially because sorry also, to be downers, y'all. If you're some of y'all that are listening yes, and are believing I, I, that, I really yeah. And I think we just need to face that because then if it if it turns out differently, we can be surprised. Yes, but I think if we go in with like everybody, and fortunately, what the who Inslee recently said, I think th- said this last week that mm-hmm. everyone's going back to school masked, right? Yes. Like there's a right. Which that's what I was about to say is yeah. that Washington, thankfully. Leadership in Washington is really advocating for um, protocols and safety Mm -hmm. measures in schools versus Governor DeSantis in Florida signed an executive order that would strip schools of funding for imposing mask mandates in schools. So come on, ring my um, shame bell. That shame bell. So he recently, the governor recently signed an executive order saying that if schools are going to be creating mandatory mask policies, that they are putting their state funding at risk. That's ridiculous. Shame on him. Yes. So I think with that as our framing for today, and I mean, there's a lot of subtopics kind of in here. So hopefully you're thinking already, folks. Um, But I'd like to dig into some of our mailbag. And Mm. so listening to some of the things that listeners are concerned about or have expressed interest to us. And I'd like to actually to start by discussing some of the comments that were given to us around just families and parents and students. I mean, they are the primary stakeholders for education. And so students should always be the center um, of what we're doing. And I really appreciate um, at Stubbs crew who replied to our post on Twitter um, about today's episode mm-hmm. and just posted that, you know, acknowledging being an exhausted parent and and posted trying to balance the guilt and fear of sending them back in person. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, full, you know, obviously our listeners know neither of us are parents. Um, and so 
What do you say to families? I mean, think with that in mind, like how do how do you recommend, Megan, that we kind of approach this? And what, and what do you say to folks who really are, you know, their kids are ready to go back. They're ready for their kids to go back. Um, how do we look at this with understanding empathy and support? Ooh, like really um, hitting me with like yeah. the hardball question. Um, I, I cannot even begin to place myself in a position of expertise in how to talk to parents about um, keeping their children safe. Because like you said, I'm not a parent. And I think as an educator, as a teacher, I want to always honor the unbelievable responsibility that parents have and trying to navigate that of how do I keep my kids safe while also keeping their social and emotional safety in mind, mm-hmm. right? That like I, the, the balance of that, I've watched my friends who are parents try and navigate that and I don't envy them because it's, it's so challenging. It's so hard. Um, what would you say? Yeah, I, I feel like parents have to do what is best for their family and their kid. And I mean, that's a very like American, do you um, mentality. <laughs> but I, I think, yeah, as not a parent, um, I think I would err on the side of caution, just myself knowing myself yeah, um, and our like own health needs at home. So keeping a kid home. But I, I, I think it's more complicated, obviously, than that. And so I think the parent needs to do and families need to do what is best for them. Um, I had several families this last year who, despite when the rest of our school went back uh, in person, yep. they stayed online. And that's what was best for their family. That was best for the health of the people that were living in their home. And so even though it was tough as a teacher to teach two kids online at the same time as however many were showed up that day in class, I still wanted to honor that. And so to me, part of honoring that and respecting those decisions that families are making is providing good instruction anyway, to the best of my ability. And there are many days where I felt like I certainly failed or I did not anticipate something um, and going back and forth. But I was Mm -hmm. trying to be really intentional. I think I've talked on the podcast before. Like I would partner the kid online with a kid in person. And so when we did group work or teamwork, they were always partnered up. It was never, okay, we're all partnering up. You, 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 who's taking, you know, this person online. Great, go, whatever. And being really intentional about that. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's one of the best ways educators can approach this. And it's hard and it's going to be asking Mm -hmm. you to do more than you think think you have to do, should do, blah, 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 blah. Who cares? It's a student. I, I think students should be first, right? And so obviously all of that kind of caveated. Um, and, and honest. And part of that was having honest conversations with those students online, right? Checking in with them extra, meeting with them extra after school to make sure that they're feeling heard, seen, understood mm-hmm. um, in this like janky situation. Or And there were times where I, if my lesson like bombed or I, I had forgotten to plan for them, I kept them after class and I just apologized. Hey, really sorry. Do you understand what's happening? How, yeah. let's, let's modify the assignment in this way, blah, blah, blah. And being really open with them. And um, I found that that worked as well. So I think parents just need to do what they what they can do that is best for the safety of their family. Yeah. I think it's interesting hearing you talk about your online strategies of like being overseas versus what was like within the capacity here in the States. Um, because I think there was really like un even messaging going Mm -hmm. to what was like in terms of expectations of teachers. And so that's also really um, 
a valid frustration, I think, mm-hmm. of parents yep. of what what is to be expected of teachers. What if my kid was at home? But I, I also think that's not going to be the model necessarily. Um, next year, I know that Tacoma, it was signing up for Tacoma online. And so yeah. if you're going to be at home, it'll be fully yeah. um, the virtual school. And well, that's that also case, a whole other layer. Yeah, but in, in some ways, I think those kind of systems that are in place remove that that extra stress of having teachers simultaneously teach because districts across the world try to do it at the same time and that was a disaster. Everybody yeah. knows it was a disaster. The kids in front of you were not getting a very good instruction. No matter <laughs> yes. how hard you tried. You tried so hard. Right? And yes. the kids online were not because simultaneously just it, it that's just really like I don't know. I hope I don't need to explain to listeners how hard it is. It but, was in, like but in terms impossible. of that, yeah, it felt impossible and you felt like a failure all the time. That said, so I think districts who have made the choice to say, you know, we are going to have, if you're going to be online, you're going to be online and here's a teacher dedicated to that. Yes. Awesome, awesome. Right? If you're going to be in person, here's a teacher dedicated to that. Awesome. Um, and so it's just kind of interesting thinking about what infrastructurally or systemically schools can do to help mitigate that. And maybe that's part of it, mitigating that for parents and being clear about communication and messaging, like you said. Yeah. I personally think, second time up on my soapbox. I do it. Do it. Should I keep? Should we should keep the count? Okay. So second, second soap ops of the episode. I wrote in the show notes. Hope's hot take number two. Uh, I think that to me, I would like to see districts, and I think this extends into families, and so kind of my in relation to this segment, um, that we all have to have a plan A, B, and C. And I know that that sucks terribly, and it's really hard, and it's like. August 1st today when we're recording, um, and I know that's really difficult to think about, but I I think we need to be thinking about that, Mm -hmm. and I pray and hope and burn all the incense that districts and leaderships around the world (laughs) have done that, right? So in my mind, I'm like, okay— can your family function in a scenario for A, right? How is your family going to work together if everybody is returning in person to to school, right? Yep. Do you have cute masks? If you're if you're in a in a school district or in a state where like you have masks that are allowed, right? Do you have masks that are comfortable that fit your kid's face that your kid enjoys that expresses their like angst or whatever that they have, right? Like you can do little things. I know it sounds so trite, but I think that's part of making the best out of the situation. Yeah. Do you have, you know, how, do you have a plan with your family about safe consumption of food? How's your kid going to eat at school? What are the parameters that you're going to set up with your kid about when they take their masks off to eat and where they're at? Are they, can they be outside? Are they inside? Depending on, you know, what are those cleaning routines that you have? So are you sending your kid with supplies and things to wipe down every single time? Are you, when they come home from school physically, are you spraying down a backpack or whatever? Like, and I know there's going to be people listening to this who are like, hope you're over-exaggerating. You know, we know COVID doesn't transfer through backpacks. Sure. But guess what? All germs, (laughs) germs are germs. And I don't care if it's COVID or some other germ. I think there are certain things like that that can help. And so to me, err on the side of caution is better Mm -hmm. in that sense. So like, okay, great, plan A, right? If you end up in a hybrid model where you're like part, you know, one day you go to school and then one day you're on online. Awesome. What conditions can you control that you can set up so your family is ready for that? Mm -hmm. And talking with your kids about that, talking with your partners about that, you know, how Mm -hmm. are you going to manage if you're still working from home versus if you're not working from home? Are there spaces around your house that you've carved out? I know so many people like got rid of their spaces at the end of this year (laughs) because they were like, Forget COVID, it's over. over. And and I we're so relieved, right? I think about so many people I know that clean up their kitchen table, just like relieved, right? And so we have to prepare. I think we have to prepare for too. that for the fall. If you're going to do this kind of back and forth model, what have you and your partner and your family talked about to make this? 
tolerable, livable, less awful, right? You know, yeah. and again, is it the space where each of you has a space to do your work from home and a kid is able to like have a desk that they can, you know, again, I know resources and stuff are, are part of this, but even things like working technology, I think about setting up your cute space for yourself to work. I think about building in decompression time as a family. You know, how are you going to mitigate those things on your online days? Do you, you know, have a family workout in the morning or just like have your kid go run out on the trampoline, like whatever it is, like I think we need to be thinking through that stuff because we've learned a lot in the last year. I'm still on the soapbox. (laughs) We've learned a lot last year. And I think we underestimate the power of some of those things that are routines Routines. that help our mental health, that help our emotional health. It's the same thing as having like a Friday night pizza night. Everybody, you know, so many families I know do that, you know, like, great, we're going to order in. Okay, where maybe you're sick of ordering takeout, but also like what can you, how can you use this and create something that's sustainable that helps your family's mental, emotional health and also manages the, the, you know, the nature of the school year. Yeah, I 100% agree. I also think that there's going to be another layer, and I want to, like, validate this and just put this out there. There's going to be another layer of frustration, I think, moving into this next school year for families and educators that have taken this really seriously and have done all the right things. They've made all the right decisions. They've made the sacrifices. They didn't see family at Thanksgiving or Christmas. You know, they didn't go and do their normal vacations that they have traditionally done. Um, And now moving into a school year where previously it felt like, well, we're just kind of waiting till a vaccine. We're waiting until there's a thing that we can do to where we can get into this post-COVID time. And there, it is okay to to acknowledge the like the frustration yeah, that you carried the burden of doing the right thing and making the sacrifices previously, and now you're having to carry the burden of trying to continue to mitigate, even though it's not your fault. And there yes. are things that people can do to yeah. like make yeah. sure that this didn't happen. Yeah. Like it's not fair. I feel frustration. Yeah. I feel a lot yeah. of frustration that once again. As somebody who believes science and trusts science and (laughs) takes this seriously, I am once again having to stress and have anxiety over what my classroom is going to look like and how do I keep my students safe and how can we make sure that this is happening and is okay because of the a-holes that refuse to get vaccinated and then scream about their personal liberties being taken by having to wear a mask in public spaces. Like, you're the reason that y- you have to wear a mask because you won't get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. It it's infuriating, mm-hmm. and that was my soapbox. Apparently, welcome, welcome up w- here, welcome, or I'll push you up there as I step back down. Um, well, and that makes me think about the things that we can control. So, have those. Har- if you want your kids back in school, we all want to be back in school. Side note, um, yes. But also, I I think let's do the things that are difficult to make some of that stuff happen. Not to go back to the crappy normal we talked about at the top of this, but to go to the place that's sustainable, that's good for kids and good for families, right? And yeah. good for, and good for, teach- for teachers because you know the joy of learning and all that stuff. And so if it's having those hard conversations with your family members that mm-hmm. aren't vaccinated yet, right, if it's doing some of the drives that are related to to that, that that can help and that can help us all get back to being in school in a way that is more conducive. I mean, even mm-hmm. I, I think about simple things like, um, you know, every district is kind of wrestling with what kind of supplies to give teachers to come back for safety, right? And there's not a lot of money. So if you're a family who has a few extra bucks, an extra package of Lysol wipes, like those are practical things that you can also help to mitigate some of the issues and the stress that teachers are having around that or and training your kid to like 
you know, wipe down their own stuff at home and, and transferring that into the classroom. So I think there's yeah. some things like that. We are partners together in this. Yeah. And so looking at this as partnership. Um, parents are listening, if, <laughs> for the most part, um, online when teachers are teaching online in that space. And whatever iteration we are in the fall at any given point. Because personally, I think we're going to see all of them again. I think we're going to go back and forth constantly with different things. That's my eight ball prediction. And so I think like if your kid is online and you have the capacity to help contribute to that classroom, you can volunteer too. It doesn't have to be a physical volunteer. I mean, there's just ways to be creative around this stuff. And so I think that's important. Uh, And and I I think that kind of leads to some of the other concerns we saw expressed from our listeners. So shifting more into like that staff educator concerns for the school year. Well, before we do that, let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, we'll jump into our teacher mailbag and see what... um, um, teachers are kind of feeling about going back to school. Hi, Hope. Hey, Megan. So how's life in Abu Dhabi? Uh, hot, sunny, sandy, and 99 degrees. <laughs> Ooh, the exact opposite here in Tacoma. Cold, cloudy, and really wet. <laughs> well, this is part of the fun of living overseas. I mean, it is amazing teaching abroad, as you know. I can't say enough about the experience. Being in a different place for an extended period of time, experiencing a variety of cultures, I'm in the best of both worlds. I love my job and I have amazing opportunities. Man, my jealousy is growing. So I actually have a coworker who's interested in teaching abroad and I was telling them about your and Nate's experience. If she wants to teach abroad, what should she do? That's actually easy. She should go to searchassociates.com and start her search today. Search Associates works with 800 schools in 125 countries. So there are many, many places to choose from depending on our interests. Whew, that is a lot of options. Is it overwhelming? Not at all. The awesome thing about it is when you sign up using Search Associates, you are assigned an associate who works directly with you to get to know your interests and what you're looking for, and they'll help you find the perfect fit. It couldn't be easier. More than 40,000 highly qualified teachers, administrators, counselors, librarians, interns, and other educators have used Search Associates to find positions in top K-12 international schools. Wait, wait, wait. So any teacher can sign up? Yes, emphasis on any. Search Associates is committed to finding placements for teachers of diverse backgrounds. They're doing the work internally as an organization and also within the international schools community. They want to use their position to influence changes at schools they work with as well and support diverse candidates in those schools. You know, that's a really great approach. It is. So if you're ready to make that move, come across the world, come overseas, do what Nate and I did, and trust the expert guidance of Search Associates. To start your journey, visit searchassociates.com. Thank you, Search Associates, for helping us live our dream and teach abroad. And thank you for your support of this podcast. All right, and we're back. Listeners, do not forget to sign up to be a subscribing member of Channel 253. How much is it, Megan? Only $4 a month. Exactly. You can do it. Support. Go click on the Easy. link in our show notes or Google it yourself. Less than a Starbucks coffee. Full of things. Awesome. So in this next section, let's talk more about um, digging into some of the concerns that we know our educator listeners are mm-hmm. expressing. Um, Megan, why don't you start off with that? What is something that you think has stood out to you in those responses? Absolutely. I'm going to start off by reading um, one uh, tweet from one of our listeners, Heather Lindberg. She said, I'm concerned about interruptions in the fall and winter. I don't know the answer, though. Thinking school-based testing to start proof of recent negative tests before the first day. Mm. So what do you think about that, Hope, like um, in-school testing? Like COVID testing? Yeah, is, is I that think anything? that's, yeah. Um, I, I actually, that's an interesting idea to me because I, I think that's one of the ways you could actually get people 
to take the test. <laughs> I know mm-hmm. some districts have done the like self-reporting and we all know like how many, you know, some of it's accurate for sure, but some of it's not. And so what's the extra safety measure um, that's available? So obviously in the UAE, we've talked about this before, um, we as staff are required to test for COVID every 10 days and um, we have these assigned days. We use the code to go to a specific testing center and get tested for free. Um, that is even with 85% of our staff being vaccinated. So that's just a precaution that we take. And we still teach in masks um, and the kids come in masks. And so our students also have um, COVID testing that's more of a random sampling and they have a, a later, like it's more like every three weeks or so. And it depends on like um, a few other factors, but especially if we come back from a break or something from, uh, then they have everyone test before they come back on campus. So I, I do believe in the power of testing just for knowledge um, in terms of keeping people safe and keeping, you know, whether someone's asymptomatic or not, it just kind of keeps everybody. So I, I do like the idea of that. Um, it does create, it can create some interruptions, but I think that's part of like creating some good systems at yeah, your school. Agreed. So I think it's doable. Yeah. And it, and that's going back to the beginning of Heather's tweet, um, you know, concerned about the interruptions in the fall and winter. I think that that's something that I've heard echoed across the teaching world mm-hmm. is the uncertainty of what the school year is going to look like. Um the interruptions, the having to constantly change lessons and methods and styles and really, you know, at like on the turn of a dime, oh, for real. having yeah. to change how you are going to be giving instruction to your students. And not just like we said at the top of the episode, not just kind of doing it to get it like to get it done, but doing it intentionally and well, because believe it or not, we care about our students and we care about doing our job well. I know I care about mm-hmm. – I was constantly thinking about my yeah. students and their success and understanding the content and doing well on the AP exam and all of those things. And um, there is a lot of stress that comes with having – of the uncertainty. There's a lot of stress mm-hmm. and anxiety that comes with having to constantly change methods and – you know, getting students up to speed on different systems and methods is really, yeah. really hard. Well, it goes back to your point about messaging and just um, some of the inconsistency, like making decisions in your schools. If we're speaking to any school leaders, you know, making decisions about how messaging is going to come out, about how you're going to communicate, about the routine of that. I think that has really helped in the school that I'm at. Um, I'm not saying it's perfect. There's been lots of, you know, times where I was like, oh, the messaging. But there were so many times I found myself grateful for at least that communication and some sense of routine. You know, schools really thrive on routine. And I think that's partly why we all want to go back to in-person schooling, Mm -hmm. right, whether it's families or from the teacher side of it, is because of those routines. And so how do we, you know, communicate what, okay, this week we're all online because that's what's happened, but then, you know, here's how you log in and who's logging in where yeah. and da 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 And then, like, when if we shift to a hybrid, why and how and, and what's going to happen yeah. in those spaces, it's really important for um, leaders and teachers to be – to be clear about those things Absolutely. as best as we can. You know, as you're talking, it reminded me think about, have you been in a car, hopefully driving with somebody else, not yourself, um, <laughs> unless you're this kind of driver where you're, you're like, you ever push on the gas and then like pull your leg up, push on the gas, up, push on the gas. And you're doing this kind of like nauseating back, so forth, back, forth kind of mo- motion. That is how my dad drives. Yeah. Yes. And it's not like traffic. Traffic sometimes will get you into this kind of driving. Um, but you're just like, up, oh, no. Uh, uh, uh. And There's that's no how I felt like last school yeah. year very much was. You know? And that gets really irritating. You start to feel sick to your stomach. But um, also, you 
it is what it is. And so what can you anticipate about? Yeah. Yeah, what can you anticipate about um, Because I what it makes me think of is the shift from semester one to semester two last year. Mm. And we had Mm. those Mm. several episodes about that shift in schedule. And the messaging from the district was horrific and there was no systems of how these communications are going to happen. Anyways, that's a whole other thing. But I think about how that shift of routine impacted my students. And it was negatively for the most part. Um, My students were had a really, really hard time adjusting to the new schedule because they had found a routine and a schedule that worked for them. And like and so I think that that's the fear that I have going in is that, man, what I learned last year is that kids are resilient and adaptable if given the appropriate warning and time. Mm -hmm. But they also have a really hard time with change, which I don't think is shocking to any parent or Mm -hmm. teacher. Like kids have a really tough time with change. And so trying to mitigate and decrease the number of times that we are asking students to adapt and and, um, handle change is my ideal. And I'm Mm -hmm. worried that more, even more so than last year, this year is going to be more stop and go, stop and go. And yeah. and um, that worries me. I think that's one of the reasons as a teacher, the thing that I could control was to create those same routines for whatever iteration of school I was in. So I'm like, you know that our first 10 minutes is independent reading. Then we do this and then this happens yeah, and then this other thing point. happens and then this other thing happens. And so the anatomy of my instruction, while the tools I use were different, while the collaboration strategies I use were different, da 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 da, depending on the space, mm-hmm. um, if it was online or in person or a mix. Mm-hmm. Um, but I tried really hard to keep it the same for the anatomy of my of the lesson. So kids could have that as it's predicted. So even if it took us longer to log in because of some disaster that happened that we mm-hmm. didn't anticipate, or even if this other thing happened, we still had that consistency. Yep. Absolutely. One of the things I know a lot of our listeners um, and conversation we've had with different educator friends is really around this idea of burnout. So a lot of mm-hmm. teachers expressed burnout throughout last year in COVID teaching, quarantine teaching. Um, and many people are, you know, have left the field or looking at different professions or have mm-hmm. shifted what they're doing. And I'm wondering if we could talk a little bit about that. In particular, Tom Rodemacher posted um, or in response to our um, original post asking for our our listeners' feedback and said, I'm really, really worried about not making it and knowing I'm not alone and the more people that leave, especially those mid-year, will make it that much harder for everyone else. Mm. And so how do you, I mean, what do you say to that? Well, I think I I go back to what you said at the top of the episode about parents having to do what's best for their family. I really do think that teachers have to do what's best for themselves and their families. And I think that that is such a personal decision. Mm. And unfortunately, the nature of teaching is it's it's pitched as a community job, right? That your work impacts your coworkers' works, mm-hmm. which impacts your coworkers' mm-hmm. work, um, which impacts the students and you know this your students' livelihoods are the it's the weight of the world on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of um, gravity to all of that. And I think that you carry that, but as much as possible, I want to encourage all teachers to really take a look at their own mental health Mm -hmm. and recognize that at the end of the day, all you have is yourself and your mental health. Mm -hmm. And that if that's being compromised, then you've got to make some changes. Mm -hmm. And I do think that burnout, um, is going to be a significant problem because like we said, 
just a moment ago, the the constant change in nature, the mental capacity that that takes up to constantly be shifting how you are doing your job as a teacher, it's taxing and it's exhausting. And at the end of the day, every individual only has a certain amount to give. And when that's gone, it's gone. And I think that I, I I question whether this summer was enough to refill all of the buckets nope, I'm gonna of go teachers, with no. right? Um, <laughs> and so we know not that not just from personal experience, <laughs> um, right? I mean, no, no, not not me, but you know, I heard from a friend yeah, that it's not friend, enough. My friend it, it said like it was enough. And so I think recognizing that the teaching profession as a whole is not starting at 100 yeah. percent at um, the beginning of this next school year. And so I, I really hope that districts keep that in mind of where their teaching staff is at, um, where what they need, what how do you navigate what you're asking of your teaching staff and expecting of your teaching staff Um and, and so it's just really interesting. I was reading an article that said that in this moment in time, it's um, like teachers experiencing burnout are more likely to leave the profession than at any time in the past 35 years right now. And I would say anecdotally, I have seen evidence that supports that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking about part of um, kind of twofold th- in, list- in reading Tom's tweet, thinking about what are things we can individually do to help ourselves in in terms of not feeling alone? Like a lot of people are feeling this. And so understanding and knowing that, I think um, back to maybe I'm just like obsessive about routines, but things that can help (laughs) my own mental health and give me capacity, right? So if I'm Mm -hmm. like, if you're into exercise, don't give up that exercise. If you're into cross-stitch, whatever, like build up time to cross-stitch, like whatever that thing is. And of course, like as an educator who often put myself to the side, over and over and over again, I still think that that is so important that we need to figure out, even if it's half an hour, even if it's 20 minutes, whatever it is, that's going to kind of help. And I think part of that is being in community with other people. And so um, whether you're an introvert or extrovert, you know, what are those things that if you're a team, especially in the school place, like how do you then support the team that um, is struggling. And as, if, as Tom said, if people are quitting in the middle of the year or like lots more things are happening, then what does a district leadership or a school leadership do to maybe move things off your plate, right? Absolutely. And this goes back to if we're starting the year, like we're all going to just bring every, everything's coming back. Um, that song, Bring In Sexy Back, comes to mind. Um, bring, Ooh, in tex- uh, bring In Testing Back. Just kidding. Uh, a so little JT is, action, yeah. but also I want to um, <laughs> shame me. Shame, shame, shame JT as well as the testing. Uh, and maybe not JT. I was, I was in You're love with him when I was little. <laughs> Woo, little Justin Timberlake, folks. So this is the thing, right? Like, what are we putting on our plates that actually matter for the upcoming school year? And what, who gives a crap? Like, I'm sorry. I love a good prom, but also, like, is that the most important thing? Is Maybe it is. Is that the most important thing? Maybe it thing. is for your school because of whatever reasons you're like, great, awesome. You are but going, is that really, though? Right? You are going to disappoint students, and and it, students are going <laughs> to be disappointed. And listen, as the activities yeah. coordinator for a high school— I know that more intimately than most yeah. right now of yeah. having really tough conversations and asking students to step up in a really mature way yeah. and understand things. And, man, it was hard. It was really hard to have to talk through that with with our seniors last year yeah. of, you know, 
is it safe? It's not, yeah. right? And the district doesn't want you to do it. And so what does it mean? What can we do? Yeah. What's in your power? Yeah. What's in your control? Yeah. But also, like, man, the ish that they got from their classmates that didn't have those conversations with the, yeah. that pressure was awful. Super and, hard, yeah. But also what an opportunity that I had to have really amazing conversations with these young adults about what the, what does that mean? How do you, mm. you know, the right thing versus the popular thing mm-hmm. and service is about showing up and, and creating the best experience that you can with what you can control. Mm-hmm. And I think teachers keeping that in mind as well is like, how do I create the best experience for my students that I can with what I can control and not complain to them about what we're not allowed to do mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. not complain to mm-hmm. them about, oh, like, well, we would be doing this if like we didn't have to wear masks or we, you know, like mm-hmm. it's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, not framing it that way. Yeah, and I mean, I don't, like, I hate talks of positivity and yeah. not going in that direction, but just yeah. the reality of it, right? Like, it's a really, like, realistic, pragmatic approach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking about, I mean, I jumped on prom there, but um, at the start of school year, we always have, you know, back-to-school nights yep. or, you know, meet-your-staff nights or parent conferences. Mm-hmm. And I think about the thing this year that's going to help I imagine part of what has helped everybody is sure some of those things are good and and they're wonderful mm-hmm. for family community relationships building. Is there something from last year that folks did that was a better version or can you reimagine since you had kind of a pause year, can you reimagine those things? So we're bringing back the good. We're not bringing back the mediocre, right? And mm-hmm. so I actually want to go to a second tweet that um, Tom posted, and that was this. Um, Around me, a whole lot of things I find to be the most important things Sorry, a whole lot of things that I find to be the most important things that we do, such as equity work and creative critical thinking, were shelved as mm-hmm. systems focused on just making it through the year. So how do we reprioritize the good stuff? Yeah. What do you think about that? I think it ties in perfectly to what we've been saying throughout this entire episode, right? It's it's not going back to normal, right? We don't want to go back to normal. We want to go back better. We want to we want to learn from our experiences and reprioritize the good stuff with everything that we have learned over the last yes. year and a half, yes. yeah. right? It's um, it's what, how can we be better equity teachers after this past year and a half? How can we be better at um, creating critical lessons and engagement after having to like tear your hair out by trying to figure out how to create engagement through a computer screen, mm-hmm. right? There's a mm-hmm. lot of really fa- like fantastic lessons that we learned over the last year and a half. And so going back to the really important work, but doing it better and stronger with mm-hmm. more intention. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think part of this is Teachers need to look into themselves and look at what they value in their classroom. And then that's what you need to hold on to. And I hope most of us did that last year when we approached this whole thing, this pandemic. But I think we need to continue that and real and make sure that we're really looking at those value pieces. If for me, you know, it mattered to call on kids every single day and to have some way where I can mm-hmm. quote unquote hear a kid's perspective, voice, whatever. Like that mm-hmm. was a priority that I had. For me, it was important to um, make sure that I was not giving up on my conversations about racial and social justice, right? And mm-hmm. so how do I embed that in through the learning and these whatever ways that I could for the platform that I was teaching in in that given moment? And so I, I think that we as teachers still need to keep doing that for this coming year. And I think schools need to make some decisions about that. School leadership, mm-hmm. leadership teams, 
of teachers and, you know, the principals and admin, whatever it may, may be, they're going to have to re-imagine that. I, I wrote down the, the phrase rebuild, reshape, redefine. But I think that that's true. We need to have some conver- honest conversations with yeah. ourselves of like, what does blank school look like for this school year? Well, and it makes me think, so Christina McDade, another listener, she said, putting movement to mindfulness, yep. which I thought was great. Um Right. We can't go back to whatever was normal or standard. Right. It's um, being mindful about how we're going to move forward. Mm -hmm. And honestly, like that's the best thing that we can do for our students right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Natalie Reska brought up this idea around school culture. You want to talk a little bit about what she said? Yeah, I think that she brought up a really great point as I think. As educators, we know that a lot of like, like, quote unquote, the magic that happens in a school happens staff to staff. Like it's the staff community, the relationships that teachers have with admin, with the janitorial staff, with, you know, like there's a lot of um, energy in Mm, that. mm -hmm. And we're going to be going back into schools where many of the teaching staff has not lived – lived a full year in a mm-hmm. school, right? Because if all your new hires, all your all new your, hires, if you were new, new last year, if they yeah. were new the year before that, and then if they're new this year, right? So the past three years, any teacher that came in in the past two years, three years, they haven't um, experienced the full, I, I like, there's a life cycle that happens in a school year. Yeah, like course. a school building is a living, breathing being, and there's a cycle that happens. And so knowing that, the admin need to be really intentional with how they are creating staff community um, over the next year mm-hmm. because that is so critical. Having staff be on the same page about expectations, having staff be on the same page about the direction that you're going as a school and the, the mm-hmm. mission mm-hmm. of your school is critical to the success of your students. Well, and, and then training the students or like having that trickle down. And honestly, I think co-constructed with students. So if, if students are back in person or when they are for however long they are, yeah. um, what is that cultural dynamic? What does that look like at your school? You know, the culture of learning at your school, the culture of how you support sports. Do you have sports? What is the, yeah. You know, what are those different? So many of our students, I think about the freshmen who are coming in, right, have been online. I think about, you know, a number of kids have not even like been in person for forever and so multiple years. And so how do you capitalize on that? What a cool opportunity. It's such a cool opportunity. Such a cool opportunity. That's how I'm framing it with my ASB. What a cool opportunity to let go of the things that you always complain about about your peers. Yeah. You know, you can get a sign that's like cool opportunity, bro. And then cool opportunity, bro. I don't know if I can pull off the bro. I don't know. Maybe they not, would just... they would roast me mercilessly <laughs> if I like came in and said, cool opportunity, bro. <laughs> well, it becomes like too sarcastic. So let's end <laughs> um let's end a little bit just like a quick zoom out on infrastructures. And maybe this is a challenge we kind of leave people thinking about. Absolutely. Um one of our listeners, uh Carrie is cranky, which by the way, I love that name. Um <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, specifically want to bring up this issue thinking about school leaders. You know, one of the biggest wins in the pandemic and pandemic schooling for high schoolers in her household was the fact that the classroom had a later start time. And why are we talking more about changing schedules? And I'm just like, girl, preach, right? Like, shame on all the people who aren't talking about Again, I'm hoping people are having those conversations. But I'm like, oh, you were able to change start times because we were in a pandemic. But you can't change skirt times the rest of huh? even we did it we the, did it even though all the data suggests that you yeah we need got all the to. data plus we did it so clearly all the things about like how we couldn't and now i understand busing is complicated da 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 da, da. Yeah. sure i don't be dismissive of that but y'all we did it we were able to adjust 
yeah. start times. And I know teachers benefited from that as well. Again, if you're waking up at 5 a.m. versus waking up at 6 a.m., it actually makes a difference. People don't think difference. it doesn't make a difference, but I'm thinking about teachers get having their cup of coffee, getting ready, setting up your lesson. That hour is precious. And for students who need to be asleep, right, or yeah, who maybe are absolutely. catching a bus at a different time to go to school or who maybe are taking care of siblings, like that hour can make such a difference absolutely. for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so just thinking, and I think that that's going to be a really interesting conversation that we have in terms of who has control and power over that in our episode about the infrastructure of a school district and um, and who's making those decisions and why are they making those decisions. Mm -hmm. Agree. Listeners, thank you for contributing all of your fantastic comments and candid uh, reflections. We hope everyone is walking away from this episode with some new things thinking about, uh, maybe some deeper framing or commitment to making this school year the best we can in the middle of on our way to the end of a pandemic. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know, right? (laughs) Who knows? Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Did you know Channel 253 is member-supported? I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I hope you will show your support by going to channel253.com slash membership and join. Thank you. Welcome to the Interchangeable Whites Lady. <laughs> the Whites. The Whites. The Whites. <laughs> okay, try it again. The Interchangeable White Ladies podcast is part of the Channel 253 network. Check out our other shows, Nerd Farmer, Citizen Tacoma, Crossing Division, Flounder's B-Team, We Art Tacoma, and What Say You? This is Channel 253.